Welcome to Will Ride for Wine, a podcast about wine writing and song, but mostly wine and writing, with your hosts Samantha Graves and Lonnie Diane Rich. Take it away, girls. Thank, Thank you, Wanda. You, Wanda. Welcome to Will Write for Wine. This is Samantha Graves. And this is Lonnie Diane Rich. We're here to talk to you about wine and writing. Tonight's episode will be Movie Night at Will Write for Wine. And tonight we are talking about Finding Nemo. Mm-hmm. This is not only a wonderful movie, but a classic bit of storytelling, which might explain why it's such a wonderful movie. Well, you know that and the pelican. <laughs> you just can't go wrong with an animated pelican. I'm sorry, you just can't. And that's all later in the program. But first, we have wine. Yes, we have wine. Sam, what are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I am having a 2005 Pinot Noir from Shalom Vineyard mm-hmm. in California. Uh, this is the first time I've tried this wine, and oh. I really like it. I oh, really good. like it. I will be buying it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It says uh, the wine features rich aromas of tart black cherries with hints of cloves. Cloves. Uh, oh, cloves. <laughs> Hopefully not my clothes, because I haven't done laundry today. No, cloves <laughs> and nutmeg. <laughs> it's and, starting out strong. The show's just going to get better from here. <laughs> I already screwed I up so really... much last time we've had to redo this segment once already. <laughs> and I could kind of taste the cloves. The cloves. <laughs> cloves. <laughs> not so much the nutmeg, which is good, because I'm not crazy about nutmeg, so... Yeah. Well, but it sounds it, kind of a Christmassy yeah, yeah. kind of flavor to kind it. Kind of like so. drinking a cherry pie. Well, if you're going to have yeah. cherry pie, drinking is the way to go. That's right. <laughs> Fewer calories. Uh, it's $16 and it has 13.9% alcohol. Mm-hmm. And Lonnie, what are you drinking? Well, tonight I'm having another bottle um, that was sent by Laura Fitzgerald. Hi, Laura. I love Hi, you. Laura. You sent me wine. I love you. Um, from mywinesdirect.com. I actually um, am running low on my wine stash, so I have to dip into the stuff that Laura sent. And I'll explain to you, y'all, later in the next segment, we'll find out why mm-hmm. I haven't been able to leave the house. Um, but anyway, this is a, okay, this is a weird name. It's a 2004 Ledgewood Creek Picnic Chardonnay. Not picnic. Not pick Pick me. Picnic. It's P I C capital N I Q U E. I think they're being cute or so. I, I uh. was looking it up in Google, and Google was like, Are you sure you don't mean picnic? And I'm like, Yeah, I'm pretty sure. You know? Um, so I'm not sure what, if that's the, the name or if it's the Ledgewood Creek or. Whatever. I'm, I'm confused about the name. I'm confused mm-hmm. already before I've opened the bottle, uh, which actually isn't that unusual for me. Um, it costs $10, mm-hmm. which is completely in my price range, so I totally dig that. Um, mm-hmm. And according to MyWinesDirect.com, because this, of course, is another um, winemaker without a website. I don't know what's it's up mystery, with that. Everybody should have a website. Mm-hmm. Everybody should have I a website think so nowadays. Too. You know? mm-hmm. The Ledgewood Creek is a strong example of what the area is capable of. Melon and tropical fruit aromas, well-balanced with touches of toast and butter ew yeah exactly (laughs) toast i mean butter i can get because there's kind of like a buttery sort of thing to chardonnay and i I Uh get the butter the taste like a burnt toast taste or anything no there's no no, like there's no like wheat (laughs) or anything going on there um it's medium bodied well balanced and smooth that i'll agree Mm. with it's definitely it's it's a nice it's a nice little um little chardonnay it's Mm. got a, a nice little kind of a slight kick after um which i really really like and i think it's really good i didn't check the alcohol percentage um because i was lazy um, and I'm too lazy to get up and go to my fridge and get the actual bottle. Um, but I will say it's high enough for me. Good. <laughs> I know there's alcohol in it. That's right. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, okay, now we know what we're drinking. Uh, mm-hmm. We need to talk about who we love this week. Time for mm-hmm. shout-outs and announcements. And I'm going to start out with, um, mine is to Mother Nature for <laughs> finally letting go of winter so I can get my freaking snow tires off. Uh-huh. Because do you know what snow tires do to your gas mileage? Oh, have yeah. You, have you seen the price of gas? <laughs> what is up with that? And I'm like just so ready to get the snow tires off. You know, oh, yeah. I think it's just kind mm-hmm. of that transition into summer and you're like, okay, had mm-hmm. enough, had enough of winter, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, by what is it? April 20th now? We're getting yeah. into late April. I mean, this is insane. I still have snow in my yard. I know. I have How a little bit too. How sad is that? I have a little bit too. Well, you know, this week I am going to break out slightly from the shout outs and announcements. This is where we talk about why I haven't left the house in a couple of weeks. Um, aside from we have like one car because the other car broke down. But also because Mother Nature saw fit mm-hmm. to dump a bunch of snow on my house on the very morning mm-hmm. the kids were supposed to go back to school after being home for 11 days. <laughs> I mean, I can't even tell you. It's like it's like it's like you're waiting for Christmas, you're waiting for Christmas, you wake up it's Christmas and everybody says, "Nope, that's tomorrow." Yeah. You know. Just I mean, kidding. I was so 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 infuriated cuz first it was a 2-hour delay and then I'm like, "All right, I can deal. I can deal with the 2-hour <laughs> delay. I'll sleep in a little bit. I'll make the kids sleep in. That's fine." Uh-huh. And then they were like, "You know what? No, we're not going to have school today." I was so <laughs> furious. So this is what I will call the anti shout out. To Mother Nature, because Mother Nature can bite me. (laughs) Am I going to have to apologize to Mother Nature now? No, but I hope she snows just on your house next time. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the rest of us alone. (laughs) Hey, look, I was the one who was in the state of emergency six feet of snow for six Uh, weeks. Oh, my God. I know. I know. It's been a brutal winter. I know. Yep. And uh, don't forget about our new MySpace page. Mm-hmm. For all you MySpacers out there, go to MySpace.com slash WillWriteForWine and friend us. Yes, please friend us. We love mm-hmm. it. <laughs> also, shout outs to you people who have been voting on Podcast Alley. I kept Yay! saying, you know, I kept saying, will you vote? Will you please vote. Please vote. And I never and thought anybody did. actually would. And you guys did. You're so cool. <laughs> Um, thank you so much also for the great comments. We oh, love we you too. Love, we love the comments. <laughs> you would not even believe how happy we get. We're emailing oh. each other every day. We're like, did oh, you oh see? God, did you see? <laughs> Somebody said something nice about us. I mean, we are so easy to please. You guys have no idea. Um, we haven't hit the top 10 yet. Although I'm not complaining because I'm actually shocked that we got as far as we did. Uh, I, uh, trust me, I wouldn't have offered to drink booze in a box if I ever thought there was a chance we'd hit the top 10. But we've been getting close a couple of times. I'm like, oh, no, I'm getting a little nervous now. You guys are making me nervous. So there's no booze in a box yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so it's great you guys close. to go out there and vote. So close. a yeah. totally heartfelt thank you from yes. both of us. Yes, yes. And I think that covers us for shout outs and announcements. And special thanks to Lonnie for pissing off Mother Nature. <laughs> So any natural disasters this week, email Lonnie at willwriteforwine.com. <laughs> and we'll be back in a minute, folks. All right. <laughs> we here at Will Write for Wine feel it's important to say that while we totally recommend drinking while podcasting, we do not recommend drinking while driving or drinking while emailing, Uh, trust us on that one, or underage drinking, or drinking too much, or for that matter, drinking too little. Drink just the right amount, like we do, and you'll be happy, like us. So just use common sense, and if you do something really stupid while drinking, 
Like, for instance, calling your old boss and telling her she's an idiotic blowhard who couldn't do your job even if she had half a brain? Then we just want to make it clear between all parties that it's really not our fault. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Samantha Graves. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Will Write for Wine. We are tackling listener questions, and this week's question is from Hope in Indiana. Thank you, Hope. Hi, Hope. She asks, where do you get the names for your characters? Are they named for people you know or a baby book? I'm assuming she's saying out of a baby book. Uh, Out of a baby book. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or uh, names you hear at the grocery store, or do they just pop into your head? Okay, wait, back up a minute. (laughs) Okay, people you know I get. The baby book I get. Uh Names you hear at the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, Hope. You know I love you, baby, but what? Names you hear at the do you hear a lot broccoli? of names like broccoli broccoli <laughs> <laughs> somebody yelling at their kid like Bradley Bradley stop it Bradley then, oh Bradley that's a good name I just okay hope you have to write back and give us an addendum yeah to that and maybe it's like over the PA names you hear at the grocery store <laughs> Elwood aisle four there's a spill. <laughs> Names you hey, hear I at love the grocery the name store. Elwood. My grandfather's I'll name take Elwood. names you hear at the grocery store for 500 Alex. Your grandfather's <laughs> name is Elwood? Elwood, uh, Elwood and Jermaine. Those are my Wait, grandparents. Wait, Elwood. What are the chances of me pulling Elwood I out know. of my butt like that? Because I'm pretty well, sure you've never told me your grandfather's name was no. Elwood. No, and the other funny thing is that we both picked California wines this week. How I weird know. is We're it? So and last insane. week we picked... Chilean wines yes. without even talking to each other first. <gasps> I know. This it's is like, getting freaky. Yeah, We've got is. some kind of weird thing going on. Wow. Okay, Hope, I'm sorry. We're back to you now. <laughs> we just had a weird Twilight Zone moment. This is end up being so long. I know. This <laughs> so is so cool. Detracted by Elwood. Um, I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually, I love this question. Yes. Because mm-hmm. I love names. Mm-hmm. I collect names. I have a names file. And I know you find that very you hard to believe. Don't you have names software? Don't you have names software too? Because yeah. I remember and you were telling like me about thousands that. of names and variations. <laughs> and I can search for, for names that start with a letter, end with a letter, mm-hmm. or certain, you know, have like certain connotations to them. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So, but, but the names are very important. Um, the right name should invoke an immediate image of the character. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. for example, I wouldn't name my hero Polly Mm -hmm. because Polly just is not a real hero name, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's an excellent name for a 20 something computer geek. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that 20 something computer geek too. (laughs) I love Polly. And I wouldn't call a shy heroine, I wouldn't give her a dark, strong name like Raven Mm -hmm. unless fulfilling that name was part of her journey or something she was supposed to live up to. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the only person I know that I've used their name uh, was my cat, Oliver, (laughs) in Unleashed, and he played a cat. Played a real cat. He actually played himself. He played himself. Unleashed. He, he played himself. Yes. And if you've ever met Oliver and read Unleashed, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I read Unleashed and I was like, Oliver! I love Oliver. Well, for me, you know, the the whole name thing kind of depends. Um, my good friend Wanda, whose voice you hear on all of our spots, it's the yes. lovely Wanda who brings us in and out of all our uh, all our breaks, mm-hmm. um, gave me the idea for my opening scene for Time Off for Good Behavior. So I used her name for that character because at mm-hmm. that time I had no intention of <laughs> publishing, so I never really did anything with it. Um, 
Since then, though, I usually go through a few names before finding the right one, and I tend mm-hmm. to not name characters um, the same name of, of anybody that I'm close to, mm-hmm. because otherwise that person's personality will flavor the character. Right. Um, but uh, let me see. I, for Crazy in Love, um, which is coming out this fall, the heroine was originally named Emma, mm-hmm. which is a name that I love. It's one of my favorite names, but it just didn't work for that for that character, so I changed right. it to Flynn. Where did that name come from? I have no idea. I think I just woke up one day and I was like, Flynn, Flynn. You know, I have no idea where Flynn came from as yes. the first name for a woman. But uh, but it, but it's really amazing what a difference a name can make. Because as soon as mm-hmm. that day that I gave her that name, the whole book broke open for me. Right. You know, so right. it really is. It's very, very powerful. And and it is funny because once you get attached to that name. Yes. You know, sometimes you have to change them for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. It's It's very hard to change. You almost have to like put it out of your mind and say, okay, I'm just going to change the name and just, yeah. you know, get through it. You yeah. know, it becomes a very personal thing. So. Well, once I get attached, you'd have to shoot me to change it. <laughs> Even if there's a really good reason. You know, like if you're in the middle of the Lewinsky scandal and all of a sudden, you know, your mm-hmm. character's named Monica and then all of a sudden you've got this Monica Lewinsky thing going on. Right. I guess maybe for something like that, you yeah. know, if you have something that, that associates closely to something that you didn't, you know, you might have to change. Right. But, right. Like Kessler. Um, yeah. Well, like Hessler. Okay, so she's, she's got Hessler, right? And I make one comment about how it kind of sounds like a Nazi name. All of a sudden, he can't be named Hessler anymore because we don't want our serious bad guy associated with the Nazis. <laughs> Which is okay, because well, just... now, he's, now he's what, Kessel? Yeah, Which I like. well, I've, yeah, I've changed him a couple times, but I think, yeah, I think right it's now still he's Kessel. Evil. I think Kessel is still evil. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. not not to go off on a tangent or anything, thanks for writing in, Hope. <laughs> to get your question on the show, send them into feedback at willwriteforwine.com. Now for this week's We Recommend segment. Each week we're going to recommend something, music, books, movies, TV shows, websites, whatever that we love so we can share them with you. Mm-hmm. Sam, what are you recommending this week? Uh, this week I'm recommending a game. Called uh-huh. Apples to Apples. Mm-hmm. Now, this is an award-winning party card game for four to ten players. Mm-hmm. But the best part about it is that it's for families too. Right. Um, mm-hmm. My husband and I actually played it at a friend's birthday party, mm-hmm. and we had a blast. And I think there was uh, six of us. Um, so I really want to go out buy the game for our family because I think my kids would absolutely love this. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know how hard it is to find a game that you can play with your kids that they <laughs> well, don't I'm think st- is lame? I'm still in the shoots and ladders stage. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, mine are both teenagers now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, and, you know, Monopoly's okay, you mm-hmm. know, but this game actually, I think is, 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 mm, if you know the people that you're playing with, mm-hmm. then you have an in. What kind of game you have is an it? Advantage. Like, I, how do you, what's the basics of the game? Because apples to apples doesn't give me much. Right. It's, so what, um, does that, what does that mean? Well, everybody gets a certain amount of cards, and every mm-hmm. card has something on it. Like, uh-huh. it, could, it could say socks. Okay. It could say a glacier. It could say the first day of school. Named you know, here in a grocery like store. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then the... The judge, Uh one person is the judge, and that changes with every round. It just goes around the table. Uh The judge um, gets a card, and it says um, something like, um, tell me something that's cold, Mm -hmm. right? Or or something that's wild. Okay, Mm -hmm. let's go with that one. Um, And she says it out loud, or he or she says it out loud. And everybody around the table has to put in a card that they have in their hand that they think best 
matches that oh, word. Uh-huh. So, like, I put in socks. Uh-huh. And other people put in other stuff. And, you know, you put your card down, you know, upside down so nobody can tell. So mm-hmm. the judge can't tell who it is. And then the judge flips them all over and they all laugh because some of them are just jokes and they're hysterical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it also depends on the judge. Now, for me, I would pick something very analytical and very normal and very, uh-huh. you know, that would actually match. Right. But somebody else, maybe like you, would pick yeah. something that you thought was hysterically funny, regardless of whether or not <laughs> it actually matched the so term. you have to predict what you think the judge will pick as yes. their favorite answer to that question. That's pretty yes. cool. It I is like very it. cool. I it's like very cool. It. Oh, the funniest question mm-hmm. is, what do you think is sexy? <laughs> and it, my husband was the judge. I oh, put in... Yeah baking chocolate chip cookies and I won he picked mine (laughs) (laughs) well see it helps to have an in with the judge then there you go so it's a great game it's a lot a lot of fun oh that sounds really cool now you just sold a set I gotta go out and buy it That sounds really neat well this week I'm recommending um the show with Mm -hmm. Zay Frank Ah. Zay Frank is this a new kind of internet internet entertainment like guy i don't know it's like it's not really a stand-up comedian he's not really like producing tv sh- i don't know it's kind of weird um but uh i don't know if they've really got a word for him yet he did a year-long project of a daily video podcast called the show with zay frank mm-hmm. uh the humor is really offbeat <laughs> i don't think any- everybody would enjoy it as much as i do um but he has some really great stuff in there including lots of these wild songs um my favorites are how do you spank a giant baby with a big ladder i don't know maybe how do you spank it okay anyway um and uh, and i knows me some ugly <laughs> which one of the lines is um you so ugly ugly sticks get ugly when they hit by you <laughs> Which for some reason cracks me up. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there listening who are like, oh my God, just please stop talking about it. But it really is funny. <laughs> the shows are varied. Some of um, um are more political and others, obviously, as you can tell, are just kind of silly. But he talks about a lot. Um, he talks a lot about creativity, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. And um, I actually get a lot out of watching the shows. <laughs> um, I think you may need to have a very specific sense of humor to appreciate him. But if you like mm-hmm. the, uh, the ugly stick thing, then definitely go check him out at zayfrank.com forward slash the show. <laughs> which is, uh, And we'll also have the link in the uh, in the show notes as well. Yes. So. Yeah. Yes, and we will for the game, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Well, great. We're going to take a quick break. We'll see you back here in a minute. A sexy international art thief with a license to steal and a past she can't escape. An ex-cop with a murder to avenge and nothing left to lose. A calculating killer launches a deadly game. From the heat of Havana to the streets of New York City, the race for justice is on. Sight unseen by Samantha Graves, now available at a store near you. Thanks for coming back with us. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Samantha Graves. And this is We'll Write for Wine. (laughs) Tonight is the first ever, this is so exciting, making history, movie night at We'll Write for Wine. Yay! Yay! About once a month, (laughs) we plan on having movie night in which we will dissect a movie for its storytelling elements, such as characterization, GMC, TP, and the dreaded BBM. BBM. (laughs) Yes. And even if uh, Finding Nemo weren't a movie... It would still mm-hmm. be a wonderful story because it has all the classic elements that every great story needs. Like the 
pelican. Yeah. <laughs> the animated pelican does it mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. My it's, favorite actually were the seagulls. Mine. Oh, mine. 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 <laughs> yes, those are really cute. <laughs> well, we'll go ahead and start with our, our discussion tonight. Um, we're going to talk about the characters, the mm-hmm. two, two main characters. The thing that's uh, really fun about Finding Nemo is that it basically kind of has two protagonists mm-hmm. and two stories that are going on simultaneously. You've got Marlin and Nemo. Mm-hmm. Um, they both have something to learn in the story, but Marlin's journey is by far greater, and he changes more. Right. Um, throughout the, the course of the story. So I view him as the main protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a wealth of characters who also have their own journeys, the secondary characters like Dory and Gil um, and even the sharks. Right. Yes, the sharks right. have their own little challenges to mm-hmm. overcome. It actually was a fairly large cast. Yeah, it really uh, is. In this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. So, um, And uh, we also have antagonists. Mm-hmm. And this is a little tougher. Yeah. Uh, my family and I watched the movie last weekend and we were split. Mm-hmm. Some of us thought that it was the dentist because yeah. he is actually the one who unknowingly set the external conflict in motion. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of us thought that it was the little goldfish killer girl. Yeah. What, what was her name? I, I don't even Darla. know. Her. Darla. Darla. Uh-huh. Darla. Yes. Because she was the big bad for Nemo. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then there were all the trials and tribulations for Marlin, mm-hmm. which isn't really a antagonist yeah but it is a conflict but it was a force you know? right it's hard right. i mean because the antagonist usually i mean the way you define an antagonist is that this is the person that opposes your protagonist that basically mm-hmm. if you take the antagonist out there is no story right you know nothing's right. nothing's going on so i mean in that case if you look at it from that if you take the antagonist out then it's the dentist because he is the one who right. sets everything in motion and he is the one who keeps them separated because he has taken nemo away but mm-hmm. The thing that's tough about that is that, you know, you don't always, the antagonist isn't always evil. Sometimes you have benevolent antagonists. Um, right. I have a lot of these in my books where it's usually the mom. <laughs> usually she means well, but she's just getting in the way and making a mess of everything. Um, but uh, but he's not even a benevolent antagonist because he has no idea what he's doing. He has no, right. you know, he's no concept of it. Um, and Darla, the, the, um, the little girl, I, I don't really see her... As an, as an antagonist, because she's not putting anything into motion. She's just right. she's just a scary thing threat. that could happen. She's so. just a threat, basically. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so this was interesting because there wasn't. There's not really one big bad here. Exactly, exactly. Know, and it's, it's it's a very interesting movie because it really it, it it's kind of hard to isolate all those all those classic elements, and yet mm-hmm. the storytelling is so strong. Um, one of the other things that it has, which I love, these are some of my favorite characters in almost every story, are the mentors. Right. Um, and these are the characters that help the protagonist along their journey, and usually give them something, either a little bit of knowledge or a tool or a weapon or something, depending on what kind of story it is, mm-hmm. um, that will will help them uh, help the protagonist kind of get. Through through what they need to do. For Marlin, this is the very unlikable, or very unlikable, very unlikely, but wholly <laughs> likable. See, yes. I'm, I'm actually doing just fine. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Dory. Dory. Who is adorable. I love Dory. <laughs> and for Nemo, this was the very unlikely, but likable. See, I got it right that time. Mm-hmm. It only takes a couple times around, then I'm okay. Um, Gil. Gil. Yes. yes. Who's was, who yes. was a very, uh, very fun character, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're going to move on to uh, the GMC. Yes, goal motivation which, conflict. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And there's generally for the protagonists, um, there's, and for the antagonists, there's mm-hmm. an internal and an external. Mm-hmm. So for Marlin, I thought his internal uh, 
GMC. Yes. Uh, his goal was to keep Nemo safe from everything. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. His motivation was that uh, uh, Nemo was all he had left. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And his conflict was that Nemo was growing up and needed his freedom, mm-hmm. which is very hard. And it, 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 what's interesting is that it's such a classic parent Oh my you know, gosh! I identified feeling. so badly with this movie. I oh, still yeah. cry at the end every time. Oh, yeah. I still yeah. cry mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now Nemo's internal GMC. His mm-hmm. goal was to prove to his father that he was capable of taking care of himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, his motivation is because his father continues to treat him like a baby. Uh-huh. You know, he tries to protect him. He's just over, totally overprotective. Mm-hmm. And his conflict, I, his conflict was a little interesting. I thought that his internal conflict had to do with his pride, uh-huh. where he felt that he was old enough to handle anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of felt that his internal conflict was mm-hmm. his love for his father. Because he has a yeah. lot of affection for his father, and he doesn't right. want to upset him. And it isn't until his dad um, makes him angry. Mm-hmm. You know, and embarrasses him in front of people. Right. That he really goes and does that. So I, yeah. I kind of felt like his conflict, the source was of his, his internal conflict was his dad, was that he yeah. loved his dad so much that he didn't want to upset him. Right. You right. know, and he didn't mm-hmm. really push for his, his freedom, even though he needed it. Right. So... So yeah, but and I could be wrong. I mean, this is well, all just guessing. Well, it, it was kind of a tough internal <laughs> a one tough to pick call. out. Yeah, it is, yeah, especially because he's one. a secondary protagonist, so his mm-hmm. his stuff isn't quite as strong and clear as mine. Yeah, it's not as well defined. And he's a kid, you right? Know, so yeah, right. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now, um, their external conflict is actually what drives the plot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the internal conflict is what drives the character development. Mm-hmm. So uh, Marlin's external GMC, his goal was to find Nemo. Mm -hmm. That was very clear. Mm -hmm. His motivation was to bring him back to safety, Mm -hmm. his safety net. Mm -hmm. And his conflict was to fight half the fish in the sea. (laughs) Poor Marlin. And himself. And really himself. Oh, very much himself. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now, um, Nemo's external GMC was to, uh, his goal was to escape the tank, Mm -hmm. the fish tank. Mm -hmm. And his motivation was because the goldfish killer girl was going to take him away. Yes. (laughs) Probably kill him. Probably. And but his conflict, I felt his conflict, um, and you know, and this changes as the story goes along. Yeah. The, the mm-hmm. external conflicts always change because mm-hmm. you always have new, um, exactly new Specifics conflicts to face, come in right? And, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I thought that his that his conflict initially was that he was too afraid to escape. That that I think he might have had maybe a little bit of his father in him, mm-hmm. where that if he felt he failed, that he was done. Yeah. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. It was a little. Well, I, don't know. I mean, tough. isn't that more of an internal? His being afraid is yeah. kind of an internal conflict. So yeah, his, his external, external conflict. Well, I guess his would external be conflict was just that it was so it was time. It was so impossible. Like you know, yeah, to get out of right. the tank is that you know he mm-hmm. has to go through. He has to put the thing in the filter and get the filter dirty and to do all this stuff. Right. There's all this stuff that he has. It's to do. time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just basically running out of time. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. that's it. Is that mm-hmm. his? He's, mm-hmm. he's running out of time. So, which is one of the classic things that you do to ratchet up the um, the, the intensity. Tension. You know yes. exactly. Is that is that you put a time limit? You'll notice this. You know, once you start looking for it, you'll notice it in every movie and every book. Mm-hmm. It's always like, oh, you know, in 30 days, I'm going to lose my inheritance if I don't get married. You know, there's always right. like a, it's a, a deadline. It's a sense of urgency. Exactly. Uh, something mm-hmm. that pushes the character to have to change have in a to very short now. amount of time. Exactly. Because that's the thing. Because the other thing is that, you know, if it's if it doesn't have to happen now, 
mm-hmm. then the characters it's well, it's yeah. hard to believe the characters the urgency and everything and it just doesn't it doesn't raise the stakes quite as much so you've always got that time limit on it which is uh which is really important mm-hmm. so um so okay so we've got the gmc figured out the goal motivation conflict which is really interesting when you when you've done it really well and as a writer i mean the thing you know analyzing a movie the storytelling is really important because that's storytelling is storytelling movie Mm -hmm. books whatever it's storytelling so these are all things that are very important to writers in general whether it be movies or books or whatever Mm -hmm. um but uh but when a gmc is done really well you'll find a lock with the external conflict and the internal conflict they will reflect each other Yes. So, um, so that was, I think, really well done in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, for turning points, now I've done the turning points. I'm not that good at turning points. I'm still kind of <laughs> grasping it myself. So if some of you are out there and you think I'm wrong, you're probably right. Go ahead, argue with me. Get on the site and leave the comments and be like, Lonnie, you ignorant slut, because I love it when people do that. Um, anyway, so the turning points, I have four for each of them. Um, for Marlin, his first turning point is when Nemo gets captured, Marlin goes right out into the sea that he's completely afraid of, chases after that boat, which is something that he would never do, mm-hmm. which is really important. The turning points are when the, the character changes and does something right. in a way that they wouldn't have done it prior. Um, right. And then the second turning point is um, when the uh, the mask falls down through the crack after they've been blown up in the submarine oh, yeah. into the darkness, mm-hmm. and um, and he gives up. You know, he's like, oh, you know, forget it. We're done now. And Dory's like, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. And they swim down. And then, I know, I love Dory. I love Dory. She's probably one of the most brilliant characters, like, ever. And brilliantly played, too. Oh, gosh. Ellen DeGeneres. And written and just amazing. Just lovely. And animated Mm -hmm. everything. I just love that. I love that fish. Um, But anyway, so he needs Dory to talk him into chasing down after it. But then once they get down there, they see that little glowfish nose, like, Mm -hmm. weird-looking, scary fish. And he actually uses him, uses that mm-hmm. fish so that Dory can read the mask. Right. Which I thought was something that was really, really brave of him and which he never would have done prior to that. He would have just run away. But he right. had so much at stake that that actually forced him to use his smarts and to trust himself, to trust himself that he would be able to, to be in a dangerous situation and get out of it, you know, right. and work his way through it. So that was mm-hmm. a really important thing for him too. Uh, the third turning point for Marlin um, was after um, he and Dory uh, go through the jellyfish. Mm-hmm. And this is actually a really big thing for him because he was always so afraid. They get in the middle of the jellyfish. He's completely terrified. Dory starts bouncing, and he starts bouncing and making a game out of it, which, again, is something different. He starts having fun with it. But right. then when he gets out and he realizes that Dory was left behind, he doesn't even think twice. He goes right back into those jellyfish to get Dory, which is something right. that ordinarily he would have at least paused at. You know, right. but he doesn't even think. He goes right back in and saves her. And I think that's a very important turning point for him, too, because at mm-hmm. that point, he really is learning to trust himself and to deal with it. The danger, everything is danger, everything is risk, but some mm-hmm. things are worth it. You have to you have to do it. Well, and one of the things that he keeps saying is that, um, Nemo, you think you can do these things, but you just can't. Exactly. And I wonder sometimes if he's, if he's even saying that about himself. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's totally mm-hmm. his, I think that's in his head all the time, is you can't, right. because he couldn't save his wife and his babies. Right. You know, you think you can do it, but you can't. Right. Um, and uh, so I think that that's really important to, to who Marlon is. And this sort mm-hmm. of changes him around. This also shows him that adventure can be fun, which is also something right. that he sort of gets when he's in the in the EAC with the turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fourth turning point is in the whale, you know, yes. which is interesting because you're always like Jonah in the belly of the whale and the whole thing. Like the belly <laughs> of the whale is where lots of really important things happen because it's one of those yeah. things that you are just stuck. 
and yeah. you've got to ride it out. And um, in the whale, when you know he says to Dory, "You think you can do these things, but you can't," and then mm-hmm. he has this sudden realization. Dory lets go and trusts that whatever happens, she'll be able to deal with it. And right. then he's, he's able to consciously do that as well. I think before he did it because it was the situation that, you know, he was going to die anyway, so he might as well just give it a shot and try to, like, wheedle his way out of it and figure something mm-hmm. out. Whereas this at this point, when he finally lets go, you know, he's like, how do you know? How do you know it's going to be okay? And Dory says, I don't. And right. she just and he just is like, all right, fine, let's go. And they go with it. They get blown up out of the hole. Then they're in Sydney. And at that mm-hmm. point, he knows he can do anything. At that point, right. he is he has come full circle in his totally character. committed. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yep. So that's been a really big thing for him. Now again, for Nemo, we've got turning points for Nemo. He's secondary protagonist. They're not quite as strong as Marlin's because I don't think Nemo changes as much fundamentally from who he is from the beginning to who he is at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think he understands his dad a lot more though, and I think that's right. part of what his journey is about in this story his first turning point is when his dad says uh you think you can do these things but you can't um Mm -hmm. and he runs out to hit the boat just to prove that he can do it because he's really angry with his dad (laughs) so that's a big choice for him to make that's a bold choice for nemo to make because he's going to get his little finny butt kicked right (laughs) i love when he slaps the bottom of the boat i know that's such a great moment he's like boom yeah, I love it. And let me tell you, if I haven't seen my kids do the exact same thing. <laughs> um, okay, second turning point for Nemo is when he's he's in the tank. And, mm-hmm. you know, here he is. He's finally, you know, in a new place, experiencing new things, all those things that he wanted. And the first thing he wants is to be back with his dad. You know, mm-hmm. he just wants to be back with his dad at back home, you know. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of an interesting thing for him because, you know, be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. You know, it's one mm-hmm. of those things. Um, the third turning point is um, in the filter the first time when um, when he fails, when he you know puts the rock in the filter and then it, it starts sucking him back in. Right. And he gets pulled out and he realizes that his dad might have been right. You know, he mm-hmm. thinks he can do these things, but he just can't. And so he's mm-hmm. kind of feeling really defeated at that point. His fourth turning point um, is when Nigel the Pelican, because everybody, everybody <laughs> loves a pelican, right? So it's the pelican, yay, uh, delivers the news um, of what his dad has been going through to save him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then Nemo realizes that he can do all these things because his dad, he never would have thought that his dad would have gone through all of that just to save him. But he, right. if his dad is doing it, he knows that he can do it too. Right. So well, that's and really he says, mm-hmm. And he says, you know, he hears the stories. He says, well, that can't be my dad. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, yes. Yeah. You know, he sounds mm-hmm. like a flounder or something. I yeah. Remember. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. A little fish talk there. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's a big turning point. Actually, all of mm-hmm. Nemo's turning points really have to do with his relationship with his dad. Mm. So that's so central to everything that goes on for him. So Right. Yeah. Well, and he's a child, too. Basically, he is. he's a kid. So, so that's yeah, natural that those would that be is his very turning natural. points. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And it also made it very believable. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. Even though he's a fish. You know, even though, even though fish. we're talking about fish. You know? I know. <laughs> but there were such fascinating characters, such so well drawn that oh, gosh, um, you really feel like they're people. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, I mean, they're all, you know, they're anthropomorphized, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Lonnie's favorite word. Because fish don't argue. <laughs> yes, I love anthropomorphized, you know, for two reasons. One, I can say it when I'm drunk. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty cool because I don't think I can say it when I'm sober. Because I can't, I can't say anything. <laughs> I can't say anything, as we all know from, what was I saying last week, Ackermans, Ackermans. screwing up all my words. Um, and, no, uh, no, I think the favorite yeah? was Walter. Walter? 
Walter Concrete. Oh, Walter Concrete. <laughs> that's another classic Lonnieism. <laughs> See, that's what I, I screw words up like that all the time. But I can say anthropomorphize, man. Yes, I love you it. can. And it's I one can. of my favorite words. <laughs> and I will use try. it all the time. Thank you very much. So anyway, big black moment. You got some big black moments yes, for us? Yes, mm-hmm. I think um, Marlon's mm-hmm. big black moment was when he thinks that Nemo is dead. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. Um, which is the saddest part of the movie. And I, I think know. every parent in the audience cried. I know. You know mm-hmm. Because it was, it was so... Uh, he did it so well too, you know, Mm -hmm. and then he says, uh, and then he wants to go home and forget about it. He just wants to go home and forget. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Dory saying, I want to remember. remember." remember. Exactly. Right. And Mm -hmm. she wants to remember. And he says, but I want to forget. And it's such a sad moment. I know. I know that big black moment is always so hard. And if it's done well, people will cry. Yeah. I cry in this movie. Mm hmm. (laughs) I, can't, I have kids, time. man. It kills me. <laughs> um, for Nemo, now again, Nemo's secondary. So mm-hmm. his big black moment isn't quite as strong. But it's uh, when the new filter comes in after everything mm. that they've done. You know, right. they've made the thing dirty so that they can get put in these bags. He's sure that that morning, his time is out. You know, right. his he's time sure is out. that yeah. that morning he's going to get put in the in the plastic bag and be able to make his way out to the ocean. And um mm-hmm. And uh, the, they put the new filter in that is this super high-tech filter that just cleans everything all up. Yeah. So um, all is lost for him um, and then uh, and for everything he did to get back to his dad. And then he, he ter- manages to turn it around pretty pretty quick. As soon as he gets put right. in that plastic bag, um, he starts uh, he starts fighting for it again. So, right. so it's pretty good. But that's that's kind of his black moment. Right. Mm-hmm. And we kind of discussed this a little bit because mm-hmm. it wasn't as dark. Yeah. As Marlins, mm-hmm. but Nemo again is a child, so children yes. mm-hmm. identified with him. Yes, so I think any darker would have really scared would have been a, a little lot. too disturbing for the children. Like when they I killed so. Bambi's mother when oh we were God. children, Dumbo's mother when we were yeah. children. What did they think they were doing to us? Scarring that, us I still refuse to watch Dumbo. That I one know. scene where they're I taking know. his mother. Oh, I, it just kills <gasps> me. Horrible. What were those people thinking? I don't know. Disney. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> I hate that movie. I'm like, I, I refuse know. to watch it. <laughs> I, I think maybe they learned from the way that they scarred us with Nemo. They're like, yeah. you know what? Let's not make it so bad. Yeah. Let's not scar a whole generation of <laughs> exactly. children Weeping children. I know. Seriously. <laughs> and finally, we come to the lesson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and every great story has one mm-hmm. or two. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think uh, the one line that captured the, the heart of this story mm-hmm. Is when Marlon says to Nemo the egg, I'll never let anything happen to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't say, I'll never let anything bad happen to you. Mm-hmm. He says, I'll never let anything happen to you. Mm-hmm. And when they're in the whale, he tells Dory that. He yeah. said, I promised him I'd never let anything happen to him. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, that's a strange thing to promise. Yeah. If you never let anything happen to him, then nothing will ever happen to him. Mm-hmm. And then she adds, not much fun for a little harpful. <laughs> Boy, she never gets his name right. Fabio. <laughs> Fabio. <laughs> but that fun. was so classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that just so encapsulated everything that this story had to say. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. a big part of it. I really mm-hmm. felt like the uh, the big theme for me going mm-hmm. through the whole thing um, was never give up. Just keep uh. swimming. Just yeah. Keep Swimming was so huge. Yeah. And it's when, you know, um, when uh, Dory takes him down into the dark. At the mm-hmm. end, when Nemo's in the um, 
in the big net with all the other the grouper yes. fish. You know, just keep swimming, just keep just swimming, keep swim. yeah. <laughs> which will be stuck in my head, of course, now for days. <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, I think that, uh, the, the, the ability to just not give up no matter how mm-hmm. bad things look. I mean, I think that that's something that just happens through the whole thing. Nemo had to deal with that. Marlin had to deal with that. Everybody right. had to deal with that, you know, and right. I think that that's, um, really important. And then in the epilogue, you know, you got these fish who were stuck with this, you know, great clean tank who still managed to break it because they didn't <laughs> give up. <laughs> And then they're all popping along. I love at the end when they're all floating in their little bags in the ocean, like, what now? And they're just like, I don't know. I love what she says. If that if that red light was 30 seconds. I know. I, that's the shortest red light, light I've ever, ever seen. seen. I know. You know, it was such a funny movie. It was, it was. so well written it because was. that mm-hmm. you had the funny, you had the you know the tension, the and it stuff. was just so well balanced. Yeah, it was really, just... really those Pixar people actually do a great job. Mm-hmm. I mean, most mm-hmm. of their stories that I've seen have been done really well. I, I was really impressed. Toy Story was, I think, the first Pixar. I think it might have been the first one they did, but it's definitely the first one I saw. And mm-hmm. that, of course, was written by my personal hero, Joss Whedon, who I love. Oh. And um, and it's just brilliant in its storytelling. Yeah. It's really, really well done. And yeah. um, and I think it's something that Pixar, what I love about them, is that they don't rest on the fact that, you know, they probably would make about the same amount of money if the movies were good or bad, you know, because mm. they've got the animation, they got them coming out at the time of year, you know, usually around um, Memorial Day. They release these movies, people come out in droves because they just want to get their kids out of the house, you know, <laughs> shut them up for a little while, <laughs> take them to these movies in the summer. And um, and so, I mean, there's all these things that they're going to get, they're going to make their money anyway, but they still mm-hmm. do a really fabulous job in their storytelling, Yes, which I, yes. Um, which impresses me because I, I love it when people care enough about the storytelling that it's more important than the fact that they're going to make the money anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, so I really like and, that. And I think one of the, one of the hallmarks of a great movie mm-hmm. is, is that when you walk away with a new understanding about something and, yes. and in this movie, the kids mm-hmm. watch the movie from Nemo's point of view mm-hmm. and the parents watch the movie from Marlon's point of view mm-hmm. and they all walked away from the movie with a new understanding, exactly. I think, about each other, mm-hmm. uh, very much like Marlon and Nemo did. Yes. So mm-hmm. it's just brilliant. It is done. such a great movie. I yep. love this movie. <laughs> and that's it for our first movie night. Yay, movie night. Yay, yay. We're going to take a quick break to drink some wine. And you guys hang on because we'll be right back. For 29 years, Carly McKay has known that her mother was never coming back. Her father was never going to file for divorce. Her little sister was never going to grow up and that psychics were full of crap. This year, all that changes. From award-winning author Lonnie Diane Rich comes The Fortune Quilt, a heartwarming story about family, psychics, love and quilts and what happens when they all collide at once. Publishers Weekly calls The Fortune Quilt vibrant. Kirkus Reviews calls it beguiling, and you can call it yours if you just head on down to your local bookstore because it's available now. Pick up your copy today. Thanks for coming back. I'm Samantha Graves. (laughs) I jumped the line, the first line in the D-block. You know what it is, is that every week we screw up the D-block, and I'm like, oh, this time we'll be fine. She's Samantha Graves. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich, jumping on her line. And this is Will Wright for Wine. (laughs) 
Want to win some great prizes? Ah, uh, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Head on down to willwriteforwine.com and give us some feedback. We're looking for uh, reader slash listener slash writer questions, wine suggestions if you're over 21, or just general commentary on the show. Each month, all eligible entries will go into a wine bucket. At the end of the month, we'll pull a name out of the wine bucket to win a fabulous prize. Yes, absolutely. On tap for April, we've got some very cool stuff. Mm-hmm. First, from our Cafe Press store, an official Will, White, Will Write for Wine <laughs> coaster. <laughs> the freaking D-block, I'm telling you. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> Will write for wine coaster, complete with our logo, which includes its own wine stain, which is very, yes. very handy. It is. Uh, also, we've got a brand new Alison Krauss CD, Lonely mm. Runs Both Ways. And Alison Krauss, for those of you who are not aware, is awesome. Yes. All you have to do is enter by sending us email at feedback at willwriteforwine.com or comment on the website. We will announce the April winner on our uh, May 5th show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so send in your comments and suggestions now. Right. Up next, we have the weekly weigh-in. Okay, you know what? We need a new name for this segment. (laughs) Y'all send in your suggestions. (laughs) Anyway. Ronnie doesn't like my name. The weigh-in. Uh-huh. Whatever. Uh, This week, I rewrote a scene about 12 times. The scene is 10 (sighs) pages long, so 10 times 12 is 120 pages. (laughs) Go me. Seriously, though, sometimes as writers, we make a lot of progress without writing a lot of new pages. Right. So even though I don't have a lot of new pages to brag about, I feel really good because the revisions on that scene are going really well. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's the first scene in a book, which is always yes. the one that takes the longest to write. It takes forever. I spend easily half the time that I'm writing the book rewriting that first scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm sure I haven't seen the last of that bad boy. But, you know, 120 pages, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, you should. <laughs> And it's funny because that first scene it never fails. Either it oh, yeah. goes down exactly how you wrote it the first time. Right. Or you have to rewrite it 50 times. Because wasn't the sight unseen? Didn't that stay pretty much the same scene? Exactly. Word for word. Yeah, because you word wrote that word. as a writing exercise in like an hour. Yeah. Like and never had to touch it again. <laughs> and then I, everything I do. I don't think I've done that actually yet i think that might be your experience that some of them yeah. but my, my opening scenes no x and the single girl x and the single mm-hmm. girl stayed